I want to read two lessons for you this morning, one from the epistle lesson. The first letter of St. John. For a Christian, it means believing certain things and then living a certain way. The first six verses of 1 John 4 talk about what we believe. He says, Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. For many false prophets have gone out into the world. There's all kinds of religious thought and belief out there. By this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. Just a brief word of explanation. There were teachers in the first couple centuries, first three centuries of, of Christianity that taught that God could not become a human being. That's still the basic reason why most Jews and Muslims do not believe in Jesus as being the Son of God, because they say it's impossible for God to become a finite human being. The Creator cannot become a creature. We say, that, no, that's the essence of Christianity. That's exactly what we're talking about. In His amazing love, the Creator became a creature. He was incarnate by the Holy Spirit. He became flesh. That's Christmas. God was born as a real human being. So John already in the first century is saying, by this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. And every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. That's the spirit of the Antichrist, he says, which you heard was coming and is now already in the world. Little children, you are from God and have overcome them. For he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. Isn't that an interesting and comforting thought? We have taken, partaken of our Lord Jesus Christ. We have received his body and blood into us. The one who is in us is greater than the one who is in the world. They are from the world. Therefore, they speak from the world and the world listens to them. But we are from God, and whoever knows God listens to us. Whoever is not from God does not listen to us. By this we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. And now he says, and if you really believe that, then it's got to make a difference in how you live. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God. And whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love God does not know God, because God is love. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent his only Son into the world so that we might live through him. In this is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his Son to be the propitiation. That's a million-dollar word that means payment, a covering. Jesus covers our sin. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. Elsewhere in that epistle, he says, you can't tell me you love God whom you don't see if you don't love your neighbor who you do see. Hello? Can't do it. And then the words of Jesus, still in the upper room, Monday, Thursday night, when he gave the Last Supper, when he gave Holy Communion, the First Supper. Jesus said, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away, cuts it off. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, so that it will bear more fruit. Already you are clean. The word clean, they're translated clean, is the identical word for prune. 
Already you are clean or pruned because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I'm the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart, apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he's thrown away like a branch and withers. And the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish. It'll be done for you. By this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit. And so prove to be my disciples. Years ago, today was confirmation for seven of our kids. Years ago, a pastor at my home church, I, I still remember this, obviously, I'm going to tell you about it. He began a confirmation day sermon with a, with a, with a question. Here's my question, why did the boy fall out of bed? And I went, I remember thinking, I went, what? what? What kind of way is that to start a sermon? Well, I'm starting this sermon, the same question. Why did the boy fall out of bed? Stay tuned, the answer will come later. In today's gospel lesson, Jesus paints a very simple but powerful image. He says, I'm the vine, you're the branches. His point could not be any clearer. He says it very, very simply for us to understand. If you remain in me and I remain in you, you will bear much fruit. Has to. Put differently, faith and action is what God yearns to see in us. That we don't just talk the talk, but that we walk the talk. He doesn't mince words. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Illustration. Take a saw, cut off a branch, that branch is dead. Ain't going to grow anymore, can't bear any fruit, it's done for. Because you separated it from the only source of life. Just so our hope for salvation depends entirely upon Jesus. Those are his words. I'm not putting those words in his mouth. He says, I'm the vine, you're the branches. If you abide in me and I in you, you'll bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Like if you cut the branch off. Can't do anything. He alone is God in human flesh. Only his life there is sinless and priceless. What's God's life worth? And it took the sacrifice of such a life to pay for the sins of the whole world. Your sins, my sins, everybody's sins. In all of human history, only God's life is worth enough to pay for that. So our faith must cling to him alone. Without him we have no hope. And But I want you to think of this through. That's true. But in the same image of the vine and branches, Jesus is also saying he depends totally, completely on you and me. Have you ever noticed fruit does not grow in the roots? Fruit does not grow on the trunk of the tree. Fruit grows on the branches. It's the only place all the fruit-bearing action takes place on the branches. And he said, I'm the vine, you are the branches. If there's going to be any fruit growing anywhere in life, if there's going to be any difference, any value, any loving service to one another, it's got to come from you. It's not coming from him. Well, it does. It comes 
through him, because he's our only source of life, but it comes to us on the branches, that's where it takes place. Through you, through me. He desperately wants us to be his hands and his feet and his mouth, making a difference in this world for the better, not for the worse. That's what he's commissioned us to do. He wants all people touched with his love and reached with his gospel. He wants all saved and to come to a knowledge of the truth. He wants every one of us here in this room to be a fruitful branch connected to him, the vine. It's a very simple image, but it's powerful. It ought to be obvious, therefore, but I'll say it anyway, in, any, in order for any disciple to be full of faith, faith in action, it's critical for him or her to stay attached to Jesus by staying in his word. The water I used earlier for Bryce, by the way, this is... You know, this isn't holy water. Well, it is holy water because it's attached to God's word. It came right out of the spigot in the kitchen. I, I drew it myself. You know the old joke, how do you make water holy? Boil the hell out of it? No, no, no. I, we did, all I did was turn on the spigot and I got water out of the tap and I put it there and we used it. So the, the, that water's not special, except it was connected to God's special word. I said, I baptize you in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit. Those are Jesus' words. Matthew 28, we said it during the words of the baptism. Jesus commanded baptism, saying to his disciples in the last chapter of Matthew, go and make disciples of all nations. And if you say, well, how do you do that, Jesus? Well, I'm glad you asked. Baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teach them to observe all things I've commanded you. It's only God's word in baptism that makes baptism the miracle that it is. Well, it's only God's word that we continue to hear after baptism that keeps us in in the power of baptism. There is no other way. In confirmation classes, we had confirmation earlier today. In confirmation classes, young students study the faith in baptism that their parents brought them to years ago, or that your parents brought you to years ago. Students spend a lot of time doing that and growing in faith and growing in the Word because it takes a lot of time. It just doesn't happen. Bryce is not going to be a pillar of the church tomorrow. And if he was 28 years old or 58 years old and he was baptized today, he's not going to be a pillar of the church tomorrow. It takes time for God's faith to grow and mature inside of us. I'm sorry, that's the only way it happens. You've got to stay in God's Word. Confirmands, in effect, say, well, what my parents got me involved in years ago when I had no choice in it. People say, oh, I'm not going to have my kid baptized. I want him to decide that for himself. Really? It's like saying, I'm not going to conceive this child. He can decide that for himself. Doesn't work that way. Never works that way. You've decided all kinds of things for your kids. First thing you decided was giving them life. That's the first thing. That's the most important thing. Well, why wouldn't you decide to have them have access to God's life through holy baptism? It ought to be obvious that when a child is confirmed, every kid today is 14 years old. 
They're looking at the Christian faith through the eyes of a 14-year-old. 14. He's not gonna, they're not going to stay 14. They're going to turn 15, 16. They're going to go to high school. Did high school change you? Did you see things differently at the end of your senior year in high school than you did when you were a brand new green freshman? Oh my goodness. You see, education is supposed to change you. It's supposed to change you. If it doesn't change you, you wasted your money, you wasted your time, you wasted your efforts. Education is supposed to change people for the better. But I didn't look at life the same way when I got done with high school that I did when I was 14. I had the same pair of eyes. Didn't have an eye transplant, but I looked at life differently. Then I went off to college. If you didn't go to college, you got a job or you went to the military. Did that change you? Of course it did. Then you got married. (laughs) Didn't that change you? Tell me it didn't. And then you had kids. You're finding out how that little thing is changing your whole life. Turn it on its ear. That big bad thing. How many pounds does he weigh? Like 15. 15 pounds. Monster. <laughs> no, what a wonderful gift from God. But he, your life changes. You have kids and your life changes. Wow. And your parents died. My dad died in 85. My mom died in 94. They've been going a long time. Early on, there wasn't a day that didn't go by. I didn't think of something I wanted to ask them. And then not a week and then not a month. I'm still probably about a month. Almost every month, there's something I want to ask my mom and dad. I know they'd have the answer. I know they'd have the answer. But, you know, you only figure out the really important questions too late after they're gone. If your mom and dad are still alive, figure out the questions now. Ask them now. But all that changed you. It changed you. When you were confirmed, you looked at life through the eyes of a 14-year-old. Man, the world has changed. How has the world changed since you were 14? Oh my goodness. For me, it was 1964. Wow. I mean, this is not hardly the same world. I've changed. I continually change. The world changes. God's word is a constant right in the center of everything. God's word never changes. Because God's word is his promise. And when God makes you a promise, you can bank on it. It will not change. But you're looking at it through the eyes of a 14-year-old. And then you look at it through the eyes of an 18-year-old. And when you graduate college, 21, 22, and then when you get out of the military, you get married and you have kids and your parents die and all those other milestone things that happen in your life. And I have to chuckle sometimes because I teach Bible classes and people who haven't been to a Bible class, certainly not to a new member class, and well, since they were 14, will say, I don't, I, I don't think I remember Pastor Schmidt telling us that in confirmation class. I said, I'll bet you he did. The only thing is, 
you couldn't appreciate it at the time because you were listening with 14-year-old ears and looking at it through 14-year-old eyes. And they'll say, when you just explained that, I saw something there that I had never seen before. I said, I didn't put it there. It was always there. You just couldn't appreciate it because you were not able to. That's why you have to keep looking at God's word constantly throughout life. You will discover treasures there that you never knew existed before. I didn't put them there. Nobody else put them. God put them there. They've always been there, but you just couldn't appreciate it. So people who, <laughs> people who are confirmed and never go back to a Bible study, never go back to another new member class experience, they've saddled themselves with a 14-year-old's faith. They face high school with the faith of a 14-year-old. They face marriage with the faith of a 14-year-old. They face childbearing with the, age of, with the faith of a 14-year-old and all, everything else. Because you've not, never given it another chance to look at it with new eyes. Same old message. New eyes. You've got to get into God's word. You've got to stay in God's word. There's no other way. There's no shortcuts to that. Staying in God's word is what keeps us enabled to have a faith in action. And that's what we pray for today's seven confirmands that we pray for all of, all of you. So why did the little boy fall out of bed? Because <laughs> he fell asleep too close to where he got in. Bed's there for us to sleep. You don't fall asleep right on the edge of the bed because if you do, <laughs> you'll fall out. A lot of people get confirmed and they never go any further and they just don't fall out of church they fall out of faith you can't do that Christianity is not an intellectual ascent to a bunch of doctrines you know study this read this memorize this recite this that's not what Christianity is. That can only produce dead, fruitless branches that will need to be cut off, gathered, and burned in the fire, Jesus said. That's not what I want you to have. So listen to this quote. Listen carefully. Our heart, reason, and work of Christ convince us that without him we cannot achieve our goal. That without him we're doomed by God and only Christ can save us. Wow, that's pretty good stuff. Those are the remarkably mature thoughts of a 17-year-old. He had been baptized into the Lutheran church at age 6, confirmed at age 16. It was a different era, different place, different time. But now he was going to graduate from high school and he had to write, get this, a religious essay on a topic that he chose. And he chose as his topic, this is the top title of his paper, The Union of Believers with Christ, according to St. John's Gospel, John 15, 1 to 14. Hey, that's the lesson I just read for you. I'm the vine, you're the branches. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you abide in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. 
That's what this paper was written on. He goes on to say it's an exposition on its basic essence, its absolute necessity, and its consequences. Wow. Tragically, in 1844, just nine years later, this young man had abandoned any Christian devotion that he may have held at first. He lived in Trier, Germany. His name was Karl Marx father of atheistic communism. What happened, Carl? What in the world happened? Old enough to remember Nikita Khrushchev? I am. When he was a youngster growing up in the Russian Orthodox Church, he memorized the New Testament. He began with Mark, Matthew 1, 1, and he went all the way to Revelation 21, 22. He memorized the whole thing. Only to grow up and say, it's all a joke. Nikita, where did you go wrong? What happened? Christianity is a living relationship to our living Lord. Christianity, Jesus is the living vine who desires and expects us to be living, fruit-bearing branches connected to him. And like a muscle, faith is either going to grow through exercise and use or it's going to atrophy through disuse. There is no in-between. We have much to celebrate today. I celebrate two baptisms last night and today. I was a parish pastor for 40 years. I always thrill at the baptism of a little one. He's part of God's family. We, We celebrated the confirmation of seven today. We celebrated the presence, real presence of Christ's body and blood given to us to eat and to drink, to strengthen us for our life as we go out those doors and we face another week. Representing Jesus, who is the true vine, we're attached to him. Why have so much to celebrate today? All we can do is live for today. Can't do anything about yesterday. We give it to God. We say, God, help me today. So that's the only way I can influence tomorrow. It's the only way. Will we bear the fruits of faith? Will we have a faith in action? That's not my question, that's Jesus' question. But the answer is yours. I can't answer it for you, you can't answer it for me. We pray, Lord, send us forth with your blessing so that we may be a blessing to others. Amen? Amen. Amen. Let's pray. You're an amazing God, so patient, so kind, so generous. You have to be patient with us because in so many ways, God, we're just knuckleheads. We know the truth, the truth that sets us free, and sometimes we just ignore it. We bury it. We forget it. We don't want to deal with it. We don't want to deal with the consequences. Turn the other cheek if somebody strikes me. Come on, I'm not going to do it. Wait a minute. That's what you did. Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. 
you come along and you not only give us a new way of living, you give us the power, the strength to live a new life. So we have no excuse. Help us, O oh Lord, to show you our love. Help us to show you our faith. Help us to make a difference in this world that needs your love, your difference so desperately. And give us great joy as we do that, this day and always, for your holy namesake.